This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Hello, everyone. Uh, wanted to start a, a live video and um, have our Bible study this morning. So open up your Bibles to Romans 8. Uh, we've been going through this new sermon series called um, Who Told You That? And the whole point of this sermon series is um, what we're trying to do is talk about the things that, that, that people make assumptions about the Bible and, and, and then they, they maybe reject the Bible because of something they heard. They heard on Facebook, they heard on YouTube, they heard somewhere. And something that some people might have heard is that, oh, there can't be a good God because there's so much suffering in the world. Um, and so, hey Tim, glad to see Tim on here too. And so what we're trying to do, again, good morning from Scout, our, our little puppy. Um, again, what we're, we're trying to do with uh, this sermon series is to go after those things that that maybe people assume about the Bible. So they assume that God is, I, you know, my wife and I did this talk last week, assume that the Bible is anti-woman. Assume, um, uh, 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 make, make all these different assumptions. Assume that the Bible is against science. And so that's what we want to do. And today, assume that there can't be a good God because there's so much suffering and evil in the world. Now, uh, so Pastor Bill began his sermon last week with a little story. And maybe I'll start with that story and then I'll, I'll say a prayer. Um, there's a, a mutual friend of ours, a professor, uh, Professor Mark Paustian, who wrote two great books, Prepared to Answer and More Prepared to Answer. So I have them right here. Prepared to Answer and More Prepared to Answer. And in his books, he tells a story about being at a party. And when he was at this party, he... Um, he overheard this woman talking. This woman was saying, how can there be a good God when there's so much evil and, and suffering in the world and, and hurricanes and natural disasters and all that? And then she started talking about her own life. And, and my son has is, is got all these problems and I have these health problems. And how can there be a good God if there's so much suffering in the world? And he came up to her and he said, it, it must be hard. It, it must be hard to have all of that pain and suffering and have no God besides. And that's the reality that like, just be, it's such a, a, I think a beautiful way to do it. Like you can be mad at God and you can say there can't be a good God because there's so much suffering, but that doesn't take the suffering away. You can't um, deny God and think that will make it easier. So I think for this is the question. Most people don't disbelieve in God. They're just mad at God. Um, you know, the, so most people are not, I, let me repeat that. Most people don't disbelieve God. They're just mad at God. Um, over and over again, when people give me arguments about why they don't believe in God, hey, she's in her little... Uh, puppy biting stage right now and so she we have to kind of work on that so this is bible study and puppy training all at once um so so most people d don't disbelieve god what they what they what the problem is is 
um, they don't like God. And so when you're talking with somebody who's saying, oh, I don't, I don't, um, you know, I don't believe God because of science, or I don't believe God because of what it says about women, I don't believe God because of all these different things, um, realize that they're actually probably mad at God. And so have some patience. Don't try to win somebody with an argument because it's probably not the issue. The issue is they lost their mom. The issue is that they had cancer. The issue that they were abused and God didn't come to help them. Those are the real issues. So the real issue is suffering. The real issue um, is all those kinds of things. Okay? So that's the real issue. And so let's get into suffering. So open up your Bibles to Romans 8. Let me pray and then let's get into it. Okay? Lord God, we thank you for this time to get together to study your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to our hearts and that we would become stronger Christians for having studied your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. I think I got it. So open up to Romans 8. I'm going to begin. Here, this is what I'm looking for. All right. All right, I'm going to read, I'm going to use uh, an, a different translation maybe than what you're used to, and um, it's called uh, the Kingdom Translation. Uh, it, I just kind of like some of the wording here. I also have the NIV in front of me. I have a couple different things in front of me. So, Romans 8, uh, it's been called the most incredible chapter in the Bible because it begins with no condemnation and it ends by saying uh, there's nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So it's been called the most incredible chapter in the Bible. So let's begin. So therefore there is no condemnation for those in Messiah Jesus, or maybe your translation says Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. And so uh, this is coming after Romans chapter 7, where Paul is talking about his internal battle. Uh, he, he's talking about how... Um, the, the good that he wants to do, he can't do, but the, the, the stuff he doesn't want to do, that's what he keeps on doing. And he feels like he's so condemned. And that was kind of a, it, it was kind of a side note to talking about what it looks like to be children of Adam and Eve. When we're children of Adam and Eve, we have this internal battle going on. And so now Paul says, but therefore there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Even though we have this internal battle going on, there's no condemnation. So when it comes to suffering, um, because we're in Christ Jesus and there is no condemnation, um, suffering is not punishment. So you need to know that, 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 that when you're suffering, it's not, it's not condemnation. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like, I have cancer or I have, um, I had this thing going on, I lost my job because, you know why? Because I screwed this up. Because God is angry with me. Because God is angry with me. So, um, but Paul says there's no condemnation. So there, there, there's no punishment. God is not punishing you, okay? So why not? Why is there no condemnation? Because the law of the spirit of life in the Messiah Jesus released you from the law of sin and death. Okay? For for God has done what the law, being weak in the human flesh, is incapable of doing. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a sin offering. And right there in the flesh, he condemned sin. 
This was in order that the right, proper verdict of the law could be fulfilled in us as we live not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So what, what Paul is saying here is that we would like to be saved uh, by the law. We, we wish that we could have a right relationship with God with the law. We wish we weren't condemned because we kept the law. But our sinful flesh is too weak. We're too weak to keep the requirements of the law. We can't pull it off. We can't pull it off. And so that's the reality. We can't pull it off. Um, and, and so he's going to go into this weakness of the sinful of, of, of our sinful flesh. But he says, um, For God has done what the law, being weak because of human flesh, was incapable of doing. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a sin offering and right there in the flesh he condemned sin in order that the right and proper verdict of the law could be fulfilled in us as we live not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So the reason you and I are not condemned is because the requirements of the law were fulfilled already in Jesus. So our sinful flesh couldn't fulfill the, the requirements of law, but Jesus fulfilled the right requirements of the law. And so now, um, now we have no condemnation. All right, let, let me keep going here. I'm going to go to verse, verse 5, Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to what the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So, there's two ways to live. You can either live um, based on trusting in your flesh, or you can live based on trusting in the spirit. And if you just rely on your natural capacity, you're going to be hostile to God. You're going to be angry with God. You're going to fight against God. You're going to hate God. All those kinds of things. But if you rely on the Spirit, um, you're, you're going to follow Jesus. Now, I think this is so very important. He says, the mindset on Jesus. I don't know about you, but during this quarantine, um, my mind has not always been set on Jesus. And, and when my mind is set on my own flesh, what I can do, my perspective, how, man, it is death. It's, it's depression, it's sadness, it's anxiety. But when my mind is set on Jesus, that he's in control, that he loves me, that I'm accepted because of him, everything is good. Okay? So, so I, I don't know, I welcome any comments on that. Um, anybody struggled with their mindset during the COVID situation during this quarantine situation uh, having seen when your mind is set on the world mindset on your own capacity mindset on what you can handle what you can do death and hopelessness but when your mind is set on jesus um you have these moments of of hope and joy and peace and 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 direction anybody have any thoughts on that all right well let's jump into verse nine then romans uh, chapter nine or chapter eight, verse nine. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if the, 
But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So our hope is that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And, and if the Holy Spirit lives in us, we, we can be confident that we will be raised to life. Just like Jesus was raised to life, we will be raised to life. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think, again, um, what are you trusting? And every morning I try to say uh, the, 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 um, the 12 steps that I, I don't struggle with alcoholism, but, um, but I, I, somebody told me about, I did some work with some people who were in kind of an AA kind of meeting. And I've talked about how important this is to just trust in the spirit. So every morning, um, I, every morning I try to read through the 12 steps and this is one way I try to rely on the spirit. Uh, it begins by said, we admitted that we were powerless over our separation from God, that our lives had become unmanageable, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we've understood him. And I think those three first three steps of the 12 steps are just a, a great way to start off your day thinking, I'm powerless in my flesh to follow God. I'm powerless in my flesh to choose God, to love God, to, to follow his ways. I'm powerless in my flesh. And yet in Christ, um, when I, when I depend on the spirit, I can begin to follow him. I can begin to overcome. I can begin to live a new way. Okay. So I'm just going to read 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to live or is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live or but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. So I don't know if you have any questions on that section. Feel free to jump in with questions. I'm happy to make uh, answer them on the spot. Michael Nauman saying, I get angry that so many people are scared of, of not putting God first. Okay, yeah, that, and, and you know, Michael, I, I just also, you know, I wonder if there's also an anger against yourself because, man, we don't always put him first. But, but here what it says in this section is if we are led by the Spirit, we start every day saying, I'm powerless in my flesh to fulfill the law, and yet I, I'm going to rely on the Spirit. And, and now as I rely on the Spirit that connects me to Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law for me in my place, and now that makes me a son, a son and daughter, and an heir, and now I can cry out to him, Abba, Father. I don't need to be afraid when I suffer. I don't need to be afraid of God as if he's punishing me. I call him Abba. Abba is Aramaic for dad. I, the Spirit testifies with my spirit that that I am, I'm a child of God. 
And that's just so comforting. And he ends with this, this idea. He says, now we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we also may share in his glory. The reality is if you follow Jesus, you're going to suffer. Um, you're going to suffer lots of things. Uh, you're going to suffer as you try to follow him, and there's going to be a struggle in your flesh. Because the flesh desires what, um, what's hostile to God, doesn't want to follow God, wants to rely on self, wants to make life about me, wants to make life about putting me first. Um, there's going to be a suffering, internal suffering. Then there's also going to be a suffering against the world. The world is going to have a different mindset than a follower of Jesus. And so you're going to get persecuted. You're going to suffer. Um, there's just the suffering of the reality of being in a sinful world. And so Paul says, all right, there's no condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus. You're led by the Spirit. You're not led by the flesh. Um, you're children of God, and that means you're, you're going to suffer like God's child, God's son also suffered. So what do you do about suffering? Now we're getting to the main point. You know, I said um, Christianity is not against suffering. Um, it gives us a path through suffering. Well, what is it? So, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So one way the Christian understands suffering, um, a, a Christian can say, you know what, I look at this world and I know how bad it is and I know how much I suffer. I suffer with disease or pain or suffering or, 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 or betrayal or, or, or hard economic times or whatever it is I'm suffering. But whatever I suffer is not worth comparing with what's going to happen, what's going to be revealed uh, in us. Well, what's going to be revealed in us? He talks about where where this world is all headed. So again, stop me if I'm, I'm confusing you. Stop me if you have any questions or comments or ideas. But he says in verse 19, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in the, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly the adoption of our, to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Okay. I love this. So, he says, creation is waiting. Creation is on its tiptoes, another, this New Kingdom translation says, on its tiptoes, waiting for what's going to be revealed. And what's going to be revealed? Um, creation is going to be liberated. Right now, creation is in bondage. So all creation is in bondage. It is suffering. Since Adam and Eve fell, this world that was good, God created a good world. He said this world is very good. And because of sin, this world went broken. It, it, it broke. It, it's, it's, um, it's, it's suffering. And, we're, and the whole world is groaning. And so if you're suffering, everybody is suffering. Um, whether you're a believer or not. And, and even creation is suffering. But here's what I love about what Paul says. Paul says, the way it's suffering, it's suffering like the pains of childbirth. I think when, when people say, 
I don't trust God, I don't believe in God because how can there be a good God if there is suffering? Suffering is only suffering when it feels pointless. You know, I'll suffer through a surgery. I'll suffer through uh, somebody taking a, you know, a splinter out of my finger. I'll suffer through, um, through a workout. I'll suffer through lots of things that are hard if I can see a purpose in it. And what people really struggle with, I think, is when there's pointless suffering. When, when the loved one dies and they say, what was the point of that? That's what, when people say, I can't believe in a good God if there is suffering, because suffering is really bad when it seems pointless. Well, the hope here is that all of our suffering, all this world's suffering, is compared to the suffering of childbirth. Okay? And childbirth is not pointless suffering. Now, I've never been through labor, childbirth. I've seen it. Uh, we had three children. And, um, and talking with my wife and other women, you know, it's hard. It's awful. Um, the reason men don't do is probably because men can't handle it. All right? But it's not pointless. But it's not pointless, okay? And, and so that's what we need to understand. It's not pointless. And, and that's what Paul is saying. He's saying it's not that, that it's not pointless suffering. So that's... That's what you need to recognize. So Mike Nolman says suffering is a part of being in this world um, or should be looking forward to closer to God. Um, yeah. And, and Joy Lee, as of late, I've been much more in God's word than any time in my life. Still, there's times of focus on the world instead of the spirit. That's so good. Yeah, like even now, it's just so easy to go backwards. But so, um, so, Anytime you go through suffering, just recognize you don't have the whole picture. And once suffering ceases to be pointless suffering, it ceases to be suffering in many ways. And so Paul is saying, whether you recognize it or not, the whole creation is in pains of childbirth. All of the suffering you're undergoing is um, is like the pains of childbirth. All of the disease and pandemic and problems is not pointless, meaningless suffering. It's, it's suffering with a purpose. It's suffering with a purpose. And what is the purpose of, of, of childbirth? Birth pains? New life. And that's the point of this world suffering. It says it's going to be liberated from bondage. That all of creation is going to be renewed. I think we really have to understand this because I hear a lot of people talk about death as an escape. That, yeah, this world is really hard, but good, good news is we're going to die one day and be taken to heaven. Um, that's not the goal of creation. That's not the goal of this world. The goal of this world is resurrection. The goal of this world is resurrection. I'm trying to also see your guys' comments on my computer here. The goal of this world is resurrection. Um, that all the world will be renewed and resurrected. And if that is your goal, that, that God's going to bring new birth, then everything we're going through right now has a purpose, has a point. Okay? So, there's no pointless suffering. There, um, and, and, and if the Christian can believe that, then you won't say things like, how can there be a good God if they're suffering? Well, there is no pointless suffering if God has guided part of his story, if God is going to redeem it, if he's going to rescue it, if there's going to be a resurrection where he's going to res resurrect the world and resurrect our bodies. Okay, 
But in the middle of it, we don't understand the story. In the middle of it, we don't get why we're suffering. And so the next verse, Romans 8, verse 26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless, groan, wordless groans. That And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with his will. Okay? We don't know what to pray about. When we're suffering, when we're going through, I know I'd be felt like this, like in the middle of pandemic, I don't know what to think about anymore. I don't know what to pray about anymore. I don't know the direction I'm supposed to take. I don't understand this anymore. Just rely on the spirit. And sometimes you just groan. Sometimes you just say, God help. And that's enough. And the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Okay? And now to kind of, Maybe the verse that you've heard before when it comes to suffering, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. That is such a beautiful verse as long as it's in the whole context of this section. It's not in isolation, like in the middle of your suffering. Oh, God's going to work this out for good. Okay. But that is so hard to believe in the middle of it. You need to read the whole chapter of Romans 8 to really understand what that means, that God is going to work out all things. How are all things? Well, all things meaning the resurrection, the resurrection of this world, the renewal of all things. Um, and, and then he goes on to say, so verse 28 again, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be formed in, uh, to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Well, what is the good that God is working out? He's working out this good that one day we're, through all the things that we're going through, we're going to be conformed to the image of his son, that we're going to become more and more like Jesus. That we're going to become more and more like Jesus. And we're ultimately going to be like Jesus when we're resurrected. And even as we go through suffering, even as, as so many of the things that we used to trust in have been stripped away, like money or health or maybe a friendship or something, as, as we suffer and those things that we used to be able to rely on are stripped away, those things allow us to be conformed more to the likeness of Jesus. As we trust in Jesus more, as we rely on Jesus more, we become more like Jesus. And, and so there's just this hope that God is going to work it all out to conform us to be more like Jesus. He's going to work it all out so that we'll be resurrected. Um, so just an incredible chapter of hope. Any, any thoughts or comments on that, that passage, Romans 8.28, God is going to work out all things for our good. I don't know about you, but I've been praying that um, in the middle of this COVID thing. You know, I don't know what to do. I, I, I miss teaching in person. I miss preaching in person. I miss being together with people. I don't know what's going to happen economically. I don't know what's going to happen health-wise. I, I want to walk in faith and not in fear. And so um, even though I don't know what, what's all going to happen, I just have this promise that God's going to work it all out, that God's going to bring it all towards uh, his resurrected world, that God's going to liberate us from this. And, we are, and, and all of this is going to work towards conforming us to the likeness of his son. Okay. Verse 31, chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, 
but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whose God is just or chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or pandemics or COVID or economic crisis, whatever those things, nothing will be able to separate us. So um, this is just so good here. It's um, Thank you, Michael. Uh, that, that's where I'm at too. This is just such a good section. So this is a beautiful section of, of, of scripture. Okay. Oh, Robin Dutton, the... The greatest secretary of all time. Just kidding. Who you know? To our my current secretaries, I always say that to Robin. She was my secretary, one of them, uh, back at first congregation at Risen State. So good to see you, Robin. Okay. Uh, so whenever we suffer, we need to just go back to this idea. If God is for us, who can be against us? If I'm suffering, God's not punishing me. And if I'm being persecuted, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Okay? So we just need to hold on to that. Because when we suffer, we have this tendency to think, this is going to last forever. God doesn't care about me. I'm getting punished. This is pointless. All those kinds of things. And we have to hold on to these promises that God is for me. And if God is for me, nothing can be against me. And if God is for me, it's going to be okay. And not only, not even this can separate me from the love of Christ. Uh, so that's what he says in this final section, verse 37. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, pandemics and economic crisis, all this stuff, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. Nothing. And that's what we have to hold on to. Um, I think about my own failures in, in ministry. I think about the people I've let down. I think about all the different problems that I have. And, and man, I can just condemn myself over and over again. You're, you're, you're worthless. You got nothing. You can't, you're not going to, you're, you're not worthy to be a pastor. All these ways that I can self-condemn, you know, I can condemn myself and, and, and just accuse myself. And, you know, hey, you're, you're suffering because you're not worthy to be a pastor. You're suffering because you don't deserve this. All those kinds of things. I go back to this section and say, that's the devil talking. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? Um, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. All those things are, are just like this life-giving hope uh, that I don't, I don't need to be afraid. So, yes, there is suffering. And the Bible doesn't explain it away. The Bible, the Bible doesn't minimize it. Um, it, it, it's still hard. Um, there's a huge one of the old, one of the biggest books in the Bible. The book of Job is all about suffering. And 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 even in the book of Job, um, God doesn't reveal to Job um, what what suffer why he's suffering. Um, we might know why Job suffered, but Job it's hidden from Job. God says, "I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to ask you a question." 
uh, where were you when I created the, the, the world? Um, you don't get to ask that question why you're suffering. I, I, I'm not going to tell you all the reasons why. Just you need to trust in me. So like Michael uh, Nauman said, it's all about faith. So the Bible doesn't minimize suffering, um, but suffering is not a proof that there is no God. God in his wisdom has allowed for, for suffering. Um, he's allowed for, for his children to betray him. He's allowed for people to, to do horrible, evil things um, because he's a good father. I mean, if I sat there and controlled my kids every moment that they, they, they moved and just, um, just made them, forced them, turned them into robots, gave them no freedom to do good or evil, would that be loving? No. Um, God in his love has given room to this world. He's given enough freedom to this world, freedom for us to trust in him and follow him, or freedom for us to screw everything up. Well, we've screwed everything up in so many different ways and brought suffering to this world, and yet God is so good, God is so powerful, God is so wise, that he even uses our mistakes and our sin and our suffering and our problems to use it all for the good of his kingdom. So, um, rejecting God doesn't take suffering away. Being mad at God doesn't take suffering away. In fact, it's the only resource that we have when we suffer. Our only resource that we have for hope is a God who suffered for us and with us in Jesus Christ. So, here's the good news. God is for you. God is for you in Jesus Christ. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose for you. He loves you. He accepts you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not, not COVID, not the pandemic, not economic crisis, not anything. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And so um, recognize that you are more than conquerors. Recognize that, that, that there's no condemnation. Recognize that, that you can walk today by the Spirit. Don't live according to the mind of the flesh. Don't don't have your mind set on your own strength, your own power, uh, your own glory, uh, your, own, um, your own goals. Don't have your mind set on yourself. Admit what it says, how, how the, the 12 steps be begin. Admit saying, I'm powerless in my flesh. I can't follow God. I can't do anything right. I can't get out of my own mess, out of my own way. And then trust in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me the way I should go. Holy Spirit, show me Jesus who, who lived for me, died for me, rose for me. Holy Spirit, lead me in the way I'm sh I should go. Show me the way of love. Holy Spirit, tell me the bigger story that, that this world is one day going to be liberated. Right now it's going through the pains of childbirth. And one day there's going to be a new birth as the whole world is resurrected, including our bodies. Holy Spirit, lead me to follow you in the midst of this um, suffering. Holy Spirit, show me the way I should go. Convince me again that I'm not condemned, that you love me, um, that, 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 that everything is going to be worked out for my good, which is the good of becoming more and more like Jesus, being conformed to the likeness of his Son. From our perspective... God is allowing unnecessary suffering in our life. The pandemic, uh, uh, cancer, death of a loved one, hardship and finances. It seems like unnecessary suffering. Just like for that boy being held down by James Dobson to get a shot. Father, you know, Dad, why are you letting this man poke me with a needle? This seems to make no sense. 
And there was nothing that the father could say to the child in that moment to make sense. He just had to trust that the father was good and he was not trying to harm him. And that's where we're at. There's just sometimes no words, no answers in the moment. We got to wait, wait patiently, hope in God, trust in God, believe God has a plan. And that just close, I'll close with this with the gospel. What were those women thinking when they watched Jesus on the cross? The disciples thinking as they saw Jesus on the cross, pointless suffering, the story is over, um, we lost, the enemies won, there's no hope. And in that moment, it seemed so hopeless. And yet, through that suffering came the resurrection. Um, the forgiveness of sins and and the resurrection. I think I just stop for a second. So we wait for the resurrection of our bodies. We wait for the resurrection of this world. We wait to be liberated from bondage. So, all right, I'm going on and on. I have to stop here. Um, let's let's close with a prayer. Any prayer requests? Any prayer requests? Quickly, you got any prayer requests? Anything that we should pray about? Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. I, I think it's good to say, yeah, that whole idea. Um, it must be hard to suffer and have no God besides. It must be hard to suffer and think it's pointless. It must be hard to go through all of that and have no God besides. I, I find that to be the best way to kind of respond to people who suffer. All right. Any, any other prayer requests? Anything else that you want to pray about? I appreciate this kind of weird way that we're interacting. Can't wait for the day that we can uh, see each other face to face. Uh, Sammy sent out a survey yesterday. If you're connected with Victory, we want you to fill that survey out to try to figure out our best way to reopen and your thoughts on that. So make sure you you uh, you check that out. Okay, I'll just close with a prayer then. Lord God, there is no condemnation now for us in Christ Jesus. We're not going to rely on our flesh anymore to try to fulfill laws. We're not going to rely on ourselves to try to get, uh, to, to, to make life matter. We're not going to put our trust in ourselves anymore. We're going to, we're going to submit to your spirit. We're going to submit to your spirit and trust in Jesus who fulfilled the law for us, who, 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 who fulfilled the righteous decrees of the law, that something we couldn't do. And now there's, there's no condemnation. You're happy with us in Jesus because now we're your children. We call you Abba. We call you Dad. We call you Father. And we can wait for our inheritance. Lord God, as we look at this whole world suffering, uh, we, we, um, we, we pray, Lord God, that, that you would remind us that, that this is the suffering of childbirth. The, the world is going through the pains of childbirth. And we wait for the world to be renewed. We wait for the world to be reborn. We wait for our bodies to be reborn. We're not waiting to, to escape to heaven, to go float on a clouds. We're waiting for you to come down from heaven and resurrect this world. And so now we, we, we groan. We don't know what to pray about. We don't know what to, to say anymore. We groan in the spirit. And we trust that you're going to work out all things for our good. And we, we pray for an intimacy today, God, between you and us. 
that nothing would separate us, not trouble or hardship or pandemics or, or family issues or health crisis or anything else, that we would learn to rely on you, rely on your word, to read your word, to follow you, and that everything would be, uh, would, would be uh, bring glory to your name. In your name we pray, amen. All right, great job, guys. Thank you for all your comments. Thank you for the little interaction that lifts me up and makes me feel like a pastor again. And uh, I, I encourage you, if you have a moment, just read Romans 8 right through it. Maybe you'll, you'll see some things that you never saw before. All right, love you guys. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.